everyone, let's get into the Word. I'm super excited for the Word today. Um, like I said, this is the last um, sermon for this series. And man, I'm telling you, this series has been life-changing. You know, the revelation that God has given us um, really tells me that um, the, that the potential uh, for each one of us is immense. God is doing something phenomenal. He has such a phenomenal plan for your life. And that's the reason why he gives revelation like this. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. But I'm so excited, you know, that um, that even though we're having this pandemic right now and we can't physically meet, uh, we, we have understood that the new creation is not limited by the physical. You must understand that. The new creation is not limited to four walls. It's not limited to a nation. It's not limited to uh, anything in the physical or time, space. These things don't limit the new creation. And what an opportunity for us to, uh, to exercise this revelation of the new creation. The man in the mirror has been life-changing. Uh, and so today the, uh, I want to uh, commend each one of you for being faithful, uh, for being committed to Life Church Global. Uh, and we really have experienced the goodness of God uh, because of your faithfulness, because of your commitment to the house. So we, I just want to commend you, <coughs> each one of you, for, for being faithful to uh, you know, this, this time that we all gather together on a Friday. Uh, for being faithful and committed to that, for being faithful to your friends and your family by sending out the YouTube links and uh, on WhatsApp or, or, or being brave enough or being courageous enough to, to send it to people who don't know Jesus. You know, we, we, I commend you for that. Thank you for doing that. You're, you're allowing the gospel of, of good news, the gospel of grace uh, to go out to people who deserve it for people who need it, for people who are not, uh, who are good people, who have, the, who have goodness in them, you know, and I really believe that this revelation of the new creation has transformed our church. We don't think like normal people. We don't, we're not waiting, oh my gosh, when will church open up? When will church open up? I mean, it's exciting to meet everybody, but I feel like the new creation has moved on. And that's the future of the church. The future of the church is the new creation. This revelation, I'm telling you, five years from now, churches will be preaching it. But we get an opportunity to exercise it for the next five years. So we, they will be talking about who you are. Uh, and so I want to tell you that every miracle, sign and wonder, every breakthrough that has taken place in our church over the last four months is your reward because of your faithfulness and commitment to God's kingdom. So... I'm ready for God's word today. I believe that I have the grace to communicate God's word and you have the grace to understand God's word today. So the title of my message, the final one, the season finale, is The Face of Christ. So I want you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and we'll take off from where we uh, stopped last week. <clears throat> The face of Christ. Man, I'm telling you, I was just meditating just on that title uh, and I was experiencing God in a whole new way. So I really believe that today you are going to experience God in a whole new way. We're going we're gonna to bounce around the whole Bible today. I mean, it, you, you, it's going to be shocking. I'll be going uh, to chapter 4, chapter 3, 34, 32, 33, and it's going to be fun. Um, so are you in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? Let's read verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read it in the voice translation because it, it really helps me understand better. The God who spoke light into existence saying, let light shine from the darkness. Is the very one who sets our hearts ablaze to shed light on the knowledge of God's glory revealed in the face of Jesus, the anointed one. That is so powerful. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he's talking to them about how God transforms a man 
into a new creation and how God transforms a new creation from glory to glory. Just in this one verse. And we're going to take this one verse now and we're going to go all over the Bible and we're going to come back again to it towards the end. Okay? So he's saying, Paul is saying that, that it is God who, who commanded light out of darkness, which means darkness existed and it wasn't that light came and overpowered darkness. You must understand what he's trying to say. It was God who commanded light out of darkness, which means God took darkness and from darkness, it proved to darkness that it can't overcome, overpower the light. So from darkness, he got light out. Okay, this is phenomenal. That, that shows that every demonic power or every religious power that from the worst of the worst, God can bring out the best. Come on, man, that is powerful. That is so powerful. So it is the same God in the way he created the light. Okay, please understand the earth was null and void and God said, let there be light and there was light, which means from the darkness, the earth was null and void, which means there's darkness that was covering the earth. And God said, let there be light. When God said, let there be light, the earth was illuminated with the light of God. Very powerful. So please keep that in mind as you're listening to the message. So that same God has spoken to us and given us his word and set our hearts ablaze, which means at one point our hearts were in darkness. And when God spoke a word to us, it set our heart ablaze and now there is a light that shines from our hearts that are on fire. Come on now. And that light that shines in our hearts reveals, it, it sheds light on the knowledge of God's glory that is revealed in the face of Jesus. Okay? So if you want to go from glory to glory. So now, okay, track back. So if you want to understand how God transforms a mere man into a new creation, gives him the word. He gives him the word and that word goes into his heart and it sets his heart on fire. And when this, he sets his heart on fire, it, it turns his attention to Jesus and that's how he gets saved because he recognizes Jesus on the inside of his heart. Now, a new creation. When a new creation, the way we go from glory to glory is that God does exactly the same thing. He speaks to the new creation and now the new creation, whose heart is already set on fire, who has had an illumination experience, who's had a revelation of Jesus already, who has had a revelation of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus already, receives another word from God that sets his heart on fire. And as he sets his heart on fire again, it's not that the fire went out, it's just that God is now he is the one who tends to the fire. Come on. A lot of people have been saying, actually, I've heard people say this. You know, it is God who sets your heart on fire and then the priest tends to the fire. I want to introduce you to a priest. His name is Jesus. He's the high priest. He is the one who tends to the fire in your heart. You can't work at it to keep the fire going. I need to pray, I need to fast, I need to, I need to keep the fire, the fire of God, the fire of God. I need, I need the fire of God to keep it burning. No, if you are doing it, it's not a work of grace. But if God is doing it, He is the one who sets your heart on fire and He is the one who keeps the fire burning. In fact, He is the one who increases the intensity of the fire. Come on now. We have been praying, God, set my heart on fire. God, I want more fire, more fire, more. Well, here's, here's how he does it. You want more fire? He just reveals the word to you. And when he reveals, he gives you the word, like you're listening to it right now. He gives you the word and then he sets your heart on fire. And that fire illuminates brighter and reveals the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus. This method has not changed in God. People have changed. Covenants and contracts and, and, and uh, testimonies and testaments have changed. 
But God's method of transforming people has never changed. It's always been the same thing. He speaks his word. He, the Bible says he sent his word and healed your diseases. Healing comes because the word comes to you. Yes, we believe that Jesus died on the cross. But to understand that Jesus died on the cross, the word he died on the cross and took your sin has to come as a revelation to you. When it comes as a revelation to you, then the reality of the cross becomes a reality to you. When it becomes a reality to you, now your faith grows in God. And when your faith grows in Jesus, that he's taken your sickness on the cross, you experience perfect health. Come on, this is powerful, man. Absolutely powerful. Now, you must understand that for a new creation, now I'm not talking about a man, a mere man who becomes a new creation. I'm talking about a new creation who is being transformed, okay? Who's growing from glory to glory. You must understand that the face of Jesus does not remain the same. The knowledge of God's glory keeps progressing because of the nature of God. I've taught you this in, this in this series already. So as we understand that the image and likeness, like I said last week, God's image is his progressive likeness. So if you understand that, and now the Bible says that, that his, the knowledge of God's glory is revealed in the face of Jesus, that when you look at the face of Jesus, when you behold him, it's not the same face that you saw yesterday. Why? It's because the knowledge of God's glory has already progressed. You might say, well, this is a, a, a phenomenal concept. Please show it to me in the Bible. I would love for you to go to Luke chapter 24. And I want you to, to see what the disciples experienced on the road to Emmaus. Luke 24. Right And verse, let, let's read from verse uh, 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going and he, that is Jesus, indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Verse 30. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. Now listen to this. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and he opened the scriptures to us? Now, while they were walking, they were totally depressed. And Jesus walks next to them. Says, hey guys, what's happening? Are you going to Life Church Global? <laughs> Joke. But anyway, they're walking, they're walking on the road to Emmaus. And so Jesus walks next to them and they don't recognize him. Why? They spent three and a half years with the guy. How come they don't recognize him? It's because this is Jesus, the new creation post-resurrection. Come on. Come on now, come on. And so now they don't recognize him and because they don't recognize him, he opens up the scriptures to them, gives them the word, gives them revelation. And while they're walking, they don't know why, but our heart, my heart is set on fire, but my eyes cannot recognize him yet. My heart is set on fire. And so they say, please, 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 please stay with us. And so while he's sitting down, he does something familiar that he used to do when they were with him. He breaks bread. You must understand, the new creation is a body. It's a new creation body that is being redeemed. And the blood of that new creation is the new covenant that is written in the blood of Jesus. So when Jesus brings the new creation body and the new covenant together and they are having communion, fellowship around the new creation, their eyes open and they see Jesus and they recognize him for who he is. Come on, this is powerful. And when they recognize him, he vanishes. 
It's so amazing that when you recognize Jesus on the inside of your heart, you don't see him anymore. You know why? It's because you've already been transformed into the one you see. Oh, powerful. Powerful. You must understand, your heart is the place where all this action is happening. It's not happening on the outside. It's happening in your heart. God is interested in your heart. And when he looks at your heart, now he releases a word and the, your heart, ladies and gentlemen, is your mind. It's the central part of who you are. It's, your, it's where you make all the decisions. It's the, it's the faculty that decides what happens in your life. And God's like, I want that. I want that place. Because if I get that place now, everything from there will begin to change. And so now, God now begins to speak a word. This is how he does it. This is how he transforms you. He speaks a word. He sets your heart on fire. And then that, the, the illumination of the fire reveals the face of Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, when you look into his eyes, when you look at his face, on his face is the knowledge of God's glory. Whew, powerful. On his face. And when you look at the knowledge of God's glory, the Bible says you are transformed into what you behold. A lot of people want to be transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus on the cross. Jesus who, who you know, who has painted all white with lipstick and really perfect hair. And you know, having only one cut here and one cut here. Uh, no, 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 ladies and gentlemen, you don't want to be transformed into Jesus who was on the cross. It's a painful process to be there. But that was his responsibility. He said, let me take that from you. What you need to be so joyful about, so, so uh, um, filled with, with awe and wonder of how a God loves you so much that he wants to transform you into the image and likeness of who Jesus is today. Today, the revelation of God today. Jesus, when he was on the earth, he said, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. The reason for that is Colossians chapter one says that Jesus is the express image of the father. He's the express image, which means he's the expression of the father. He is the image of the invisible God. So what is the face of Jesus? That word face in Greek is the word, um, uh, it, it means countenance. And the word countenance means expression. So the face of Jesus, the anointed one, is the expression of God. It's the expression. In Hebrew, the word face means presence. This is why our church has three main values. High, we have three core values. We we have a high value for God's word. We have a high value for God's presence, which is his face, right? And we have a high value for God's people. Why? It's because we are so, you know, transformation is not a new concept to our church. Change, in our church, we have a hashtag called change is good. You know why? It's because we're not opposed to change. We, love, we get the revelation that change is good. I need to be changing every single day. If I'm not changing every single day, then I'm becoming religious. I'm going backwards. In fact, I'm becoming stagnant. When I become stagnant, then my revelation is not progressive. If my revelation is not progressive, then I'm not transforming into the image and likeness of Jesus. Something has stopped me and is causing me to turn and look at it. And so now you must understand, Jesus calls us salt and light. He calls us salt because once you add salt to something, it is the agent of transformation. Salt, once it's added to food, you cannot take it out. So a new creation, the transformation, you, the way you know you are transforming is that you don't go back to doing what you used to do. You don't go back to swearing and you don't go back to, to fighting with people. You don't go back to arguing. You don't go back. It's a foreign thing. It's, a, it's like, it's weird. Like, why am I having an argument? Why am I saying something to people? Why am I even having this discussion? It's, a, it's an alien feeling. But you can force yourself to remain in that place. You have to force yourself to remain in that place. Why? Because naturally, 
for a new creation, our focus is on beholding and becoming. When a person becomes stagnant, it's because they're not receiving a progressive word that sets their heart on fire. Our church is based on the word progressive word. You cannot say that, hey, we're preaching the same thing that was preached in the 1970s. No, we're not. Our revelation has progressed. We're not ignoring it. We've just, we honor it as our foundation, but we're progressing. We're progressing. We're not saying, hey, this person's revelation is bad or this person or this denomination is bad or this, you know, we know we, we, we love all denominations. We love all the sides of Christ. We love all the sides of, of, of the people who have revelation of God. We love them. We, we have no issues with them, but we love him and his nature more than his revealed word. We love the fact that God is constantly changing. It's so amazing. What an adventure. Tomorrow you don't know what kind of revelation you're going to get. But once you get it, my God, he's changed you into that image and likeness already. See, the, the reason why Jesus vanished is because these disciples were transformed into his image and likeness. That's why they couldn't see him. And so God is t teaching us now and Paul is teaching us, hey, listen, there is, if you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he's like, God, the new creation is transformed by looking at the face of Jesus. Looking at the face of Jesus. This method of transformation has been there since the beginning of time. God has always done this. He always releases the word first, brings illumination. And when there's illumination, it brings your attention. When it brings your attention, you get to see what you become. Ladies and gentlemen, in grace, please listen to me very carefully. In grace, you are transformed into, you, you behold in the mirror, you behold who you are becoming, not who you are or who you were. In grace, you are transformed into who you are becoming. So which means when I look at Jesus, he's not the same revelation that I had yesterday of Jesus. This revelation that I'm seeing on Jesus' face, his face means expression. He's expressing what the Father is saying. He's expressing what the Father is saying. Scriptural reference? Yes, yes, I'll give it to you. I know you're asking me for that. I know. John, now you must understand, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. He only said what he heard the Father saying. You might think that it's very limited. It's actually very powerful because Jesus was being transformed into the image and likeness of his Father. Now, John the Beloved writes in his book, and he says this, we have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Why did John say that? It's because every time Jesus heard the Father saying something and he would speak it, it would manifest a glory. Oh, come on. It would set people's hearts on fire. It would set him on fire. Every time Jesus saw the father heal a deaf person or the father raise a person from the dead or the father, uh, you know, uh, uh, heal somebody or multiply food, whenever they saw Jesus in action, Jesus in expression, they, were, they got an opportunity to behold the knowledge of the glory of God. But that Jesus was set on fire. And you must understand, that Jesus who was on fire is the same Jesus who was the tree of life in the garden. Is the same bush that met Moses that was on fire. Come on now. I'm connecting the dots. Is the same, uh, is the same uh, vine in the vineyard of the Lord. He says, I am the true vine and then you are my branches. Now, please understand how it works. That, that when God sets Jesus on fire, because you are grafted into Jesus, because you are one with him now, you naturally get on fire. It's not like the branch is like, hey, hey, hello, hello, put me on fire. Only Jesus is on fire. Set me on fire. No, please understand. You are connected to Jesus. 
you are you are grafted into Jesus and when Jesus sees the father doing something he beholds the the knowledge of the glory of God now he gets set on fire and because he gets set on fire my goodness everything on the inside everyone that is connected to Jesus is set on fire now when you are set on fire just imagine going to your office just imagine going to work just imagine going to your university just imagine hanging out with your friends in the coffee shop you don't have to say well i'm on fire i i feel the fire of the holy ghost you don't have to do anything jesus never said i'm on fire jesus never said i oh, wow i can feel the glory of god whoa N- nothing none of it is mentioned in the bible jesus did not act in an intoxicated manner he was full of the spirit do you understand the spirit will not take someone and shake them like a rag doll and prove that the glad that is the glory of god god can move in any way we don't have the capacity to handle his power and sometimes our body can react in certain ways but what i'm trying to say is people can show that they are on fire but they're really not on fire because the fire begins in the heart the fire begins in the heart and when your heart is set on fire ladies and gentlemen god is the one who continues to keep you burning on fire you know i've heard people uh, from in 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 my in my walk with god i've heard many people say this you know when i got saved man you know i was on fire for jesus i told everybody about jesus i went and preached the gospel i healed everybody wow i was on fire but then i came to church and then i got beaten by a religious system and they told me that i have to be like this i have to dress like this i have to do this i have to do that and I, and all these rules and regulations and then suddenly the fire went out god give me the fire god give me the fire instead of praying god give me the fire just ask him for the word that's it that's as simple they're praying oh they renew my first love renew my we don't want that first love come on we want progressive love we want the love that god has for us today we want the revelation that god has for us today i'm not looking for yesterday's word i'm looking for today's word give me my daily bread that's what jesus said come on i, I hope you're enjoying this message today man i'm telling you <sighs> we're we're going to we're going to enjoy this revelation i'm telling you it's so phenomenal you know when whenever you look at a at a baby you know and 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 i've seen videos of of this that that this child uh is crying like crying like that and has a really funny face when they cry you know they they don't know why they're crying something something's wrong maybe they haven't eaten they're hungry they just cry 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 and then the father picks up the baby and begins to smile at it and suddenly the baby forgets why he's crying and begins to smile we are called god created us to look into the face of jesus and be a reflect image of jesus the one you behold is the one you become like powerful is very powerful you want to be on fire look at the one who is on fire don't look at people who are on fire because sometimes people who are not on fire display that they are on fire and you think that you're on fire but you're not but let me tell you when you're on fire when god sets your heart on fire ladies and gentlemen there is nothing that can put that fire out there is no religious demon there is no law there is no church regulation there's nothing that can put that fire out you know why because you've got a fresh revelation of the face of god that is the face of christ the face of christ is a constant evolving a constant progressive perpetual evolving image of the glory of god but god's method of transformation is never changed he has always done it the same way and i want to show you how moses 
God gave this opportunity to Moses without really teaching him about it, thinking that Moses would get it, but he didn't. He missed it. And I'll show you how people over the years have created a system that has caused them to, to take, the, their, take their focus off the glory of God. Okay, so I want you to go to chapter 3, just next chapter, all right? And we'll read from verse 7 to 11. Verse 7 says, But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily, where? At the face of Moses. Because the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Where's the Spirit? In the heart. Okay? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more glory. Come on. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect, because of the glory that excels. For if what was passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Since, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Right, we'll stop there now. Okay, so Paul now is talking about Moses and he's saying, hey, there are two letters that are written. Okay, one letter is written on stone, tablets of stone. Another letter is written on tablets of the heart, which is flesh. Okay, remember we're talking about the face of Jesus. On the face of Jesus is the knowledge of God's glory. So when you behold that tablet, Jesus is the tablet, okay? When you behold that tablet, whatever glory is on that tablet comes on you, okay? But I'm going to show you something that we've all missed, okay? So, two letters, one is on stone and one is on the heart, okay? The one on the stone, which became the law of God, right? carries the glory as well as the heart which means in your heart if Jesus is in your heart there's a glory on the inside of you okay now this glory is when man would look at it in the old covenant in the old testament he would look at it his face would shine but it would when he started talking to people the it would start fading away so he had to put a veil over his face now you must understand what was on this tablet on the tablet was the standard of the righteousness of God. The law. The law was God's standard of righteousness. God's standard of righteousness that he keeps. So which means, man, he's glorious. His standard of righteousness, his standard of holiness, wow. He's, he's glorious. That's him. Now, on the new covenant, which is written in the blood of Jesus, which is a covenant of the Spirit, which is on our hearts, please understand now, this is the fulfillment of the standard of righteousness that is on our heart. One, carry the standard of righteousness, the standard, the law of God. The second one is the fulfillment of that standard of righteousness. Okay, one is the law and the other is the fulfillment of the law. One was grace that caused man to strive. Another one, the other one, was the fulfillment of the law which gives us grace by faith. We, we stand as righteous with God. Okay, so Paul, Paul is saying, hey listen, that tablet had a glory, man. And this tablet, which is the new covenant, which is on our hearts, has an ever-increasing glory. So every time I behold the righteousness of God, not the requirement of righteousness, 
Every time I behold the fulfillment of righteousness. Come on. The fulfillment of holiness. The fulfillment that Jesus fulfilled it. It's fulfilled. Every time I I look at it, boom, it increases glory. Glory increases. More glory. Every time I look at grace, it increases. Grace increases. Grace increases. When I look at the law, Paul says it's the ministry of death. Every time I look at the law, I don't go from glory to glory, but actually fade away. I actually start dying every time I look at the law. But every time I look at grace, every time I look at the fulfillment of the law, Jesus fulfilled the law on the cross. The cross was the finished work of the law. It's finished. The law was finished on the cross. If, I, if you're living according to the law of Moses today, if you're living according to the law that God gave to Israel, even though you're a Gentile, you're living according to the law, man, you're not experiencing the glory of God. You will experience the glory of God, but it will fade away very quickly. So Paul in, is taking this passage that he's teaching to the Corinthian church and he's talking about something that happened in the book of Exodus. Uh, and, and I want you to go uh, to Exodus uh, chapter 31 and we'll read one verse from there and then we'll move to 32. And in verse 18, he's, God says to Moses, he says, and when he had made an end to speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony. Remember I preached on this the tablets of stone written with the finger of God, right? So now we understand that the first time Moses goes up the mountain to meet with God, God gives him uh, the tablets of testimony, right? And he, now you must understand, these tablets of testimony is something that God made, he made it. He's the one who created those those tablets of testimony out of the rock, out of the rock. Get it? Out of the rock. And so when he got it out of the rock, he's talking to Moses, but it was the finger of God that wrote on the tablets of stone. Stephen, in the book of Acts chapter 7, he's talking about the same thing and he talks, he he gives it a description. It's absolutely beautiful. He calls it the living oracles. So powerful. I'm telling you, the word of God is so alive. So when, when God now speaks to, speaks, to, uh, speaks to Moses, he gives him these two tablets of, of the testimony, which is the fulfillment, right, of what God has commanded. And so now he gives those living oracles to Moses and Moses, Moses comes down the mountain and he, now he's at 40 days with God, right? He's coming down the mountain, but something you must, pay attention to is that when he comes down, his face is not shining. He gets upset with what is happening with the people and he takes the living oracles of God and he smashes it. I don't understand the guy. If you go and buy an expensive watch and somebody cuts you off the road, are you going to take that expensive watch and break it? It just doesn't make sense. Foolish. But anyway, that's Moses. We're learning from his mistakes. So he smashes it and goes that day, 3,000 people die. You must understand, God is giving him the fulfillment, which means there was a glory that was released to Moses that set his heart on fire, but not his face. So now, go to chapter 34. So now he's lost those those. Uh, the Ten Commandments, the the Tablets of Testimony. And now he goes back to God again. And now God calls him up the mountain the second time. But this time, God says, you bring the tablets of stone. So which means Moses had to work now. He had to go and cut it out of the rock and bring it, right? Working for revelation, working for a word, working for it, doing, striving in his own way to get revelation, Right? But it doesn't lead to glory. Please understand. So, so he gets this thing now and he comes. And if you read through chapter 34, it goes on to say that God tells Moses to write on the tablet. The finger of God doesn't write it. Now Moses writes it. But Moses is looking at the knowledge of God's glory. 
Please understand, God is giving him the standard of righteousness. It is God's standard of righteousness that he is giving to man. And now Moses is writing it. He's hearing God and he's writing it, which means he's beholding the word of God. He's beholding the standard of righteousness that God keeps. And now as he spends 40 days and 40 nights with God, it's completely different. The boy comes down the mountain and his face is shining like the sun. But what is the reaction of the people? In chapter 34, the people look at Moses and they get scared. They look at Moses and they get, they get afraid of him. So what does Moses do? Moses says, come, come, come. Don't be afraid. Come, come, come. I'm paraphrasing. Don't be afraid. Bring all the elders. Come on, come on, come on. Bring all the everybody. Come, come, sit down. And he teaches the law to the people. When he teaches the law to the people, the glory begins to fade away. Do you understand? So now, Moses, every time Moses would go to meet God, he would remove the veil. Why would he remove the veil? It's because he did not want anything to come between God's glory, the knowledge of God's glory in his face. So now when he goes out, his face is reflecting the knowledge of God's glory. So people now look at Moses and go, whoa, hey, he met with God. That means he has a word from God. He has, wow, man, that, that pastor over there, he's God revelation. I need to listen to that guy. <laughs> I need to listen to this sister and I need to go here and I need to go there. No, no, no. Please understand. Each person in the new covenant gets their own revelation. Each person goes to God. It is your responsibility to receive a fresh word from God that you will apply in your life. I can't set you on fire. I can give you the word. The word of God does what it does. But at the end of the day, if you want to take this moment that you're experiencing, this, your heart is set on fire. You want to take this moment and you want to grow in it. You've got to go to God. You've got to go to him. He wants you for himself. He doesn't want to have a relationship with you through your pastor. He wants you all to himself. And so now we see that Moses, every time he goes to God, he takes off the veil. He talks to the people and he reveals the knowledge of God's glory on his face. But because he looks into the law, he looks into the very thing that is condemning him. And that very thing is what he's speaking to people about. It causes the glory to fade away. Ladies and gentlemen, it was not the voice of God that caused Moses to fade away. It was not even a covenant or a, or a New Testament or Old Testament that, that had any issue. There was no issues with that. The issue was Moses chose to continue to look at the law. And every time he looked at the law, which was inscribed on stone, you must understand the standard remained static. <laughs> it's not progressive. Oh, come on. I'm, I'm believing that you're getting it. I'm believing that you're getting it. It was inscribed on a stone, which means it remained. So every time he looked at old revelation, the old standard, not even his standard, not even the fulfillment of the standard of righteousness, He's looking at something that will make, is impossible to keep. Yeah, it's impossible for me to be like this. It's impossible for me to be holy as God is holy. It's impossible. How can I get a spotless lamb? Oh my God, where am I going to get a spotless lamb from? I have to keep this feast and I have to keep this regulation. I have to keep, it's just nonstop. It's impossible. I believe that God gave the law to the Israelites because he knew they wouldn't keep it. 
And they would return to him and say, give us the fulfillment of the law. Give us you. We want you, God. But Moses, he almost got it. God showed him how to get it, but he chose the law more than the voice of God. And I want to take you now to chapter 33. I told you we're going to go back and forth all over the place. In chapter 3, Moses now, this is, please understand, this is between chapter, I know, chapter 32 and 34, 33. I know, I know. It's not very smart. I know. But you must understand, it's between two huge moments that shifted everything for humanity. A moment where he receives the tablets of grace, he comes and he smashes it. He re- they reject God's grace. They reject God's ability to fulfill his own commandments. Okay, they reject it. In between that and receiving the law, Moses has an encounter with God. And verse 33, verse 12. Then Moses Moses said to the Lord, See, see you say to me, Bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You see, he's, he, the way he puts it across to God is very smart. Bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you also have found grace in my sight. So Moses is saying, God, you said bring these people up, but you did not say who will go with me. He understands that there's something about the presence, the face of God. That when God is present with you, it's absolutely phenomenal. Why? Because God is constantly progressive. Okay? Now, verse 13. He says, Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. Who said that? Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Right? So he's saying, show me now your way that I may know you, the knowledge of God's glory, and that I may find grace in your sight. So he's got grace. That's why he's talking to God. And so he's saying to God, God, if I found grace in your sight, now please show me your way. Show me Yahweh. That I may know you. I, when you show me your way, I receive knowledge of your glory. When I receive knowledge of your glory, now that's when I grow in grace. So he's growing, he's asking for from favor to favor. He wants to mature in favor. That's his mindset. He's only thinking about favor. Here's what God says to him. 14. And he said, my presence, my face, will go with you and I will give you rest. Come on, man. This is phenomenal. What's, he, what, what, what's God saying? What is God saying to Moses? Moses, I'm going to give you rest. When my face comes with you, when my face, when my presence dwells with you, when my presence is around you, you have to stop working. I will give you rest. Why? Because I will keep your heart burning. I'm the one who will grow you from grace to grace and from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Not you. I will do it. I will give you rest. Such a beautiful God. Moses. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, I mean, I would not dare say to God, when God says to me, my presence will go with you, I will say, yes, Lord, I receive it by faith. In the name of Jesus, I receive it. And I thank you for your presence. This uncle says, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. So which means he's, he's kind of like threatening God. He's kind of like saying, hey, listen, I don't believe in you. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight? Now he's, he's wondering, he, he's trying to tell God, 
God, the way everybody else will know that we have found grace in your sight is if you come with us. He's more worried about what people think than he's worried about his relationship with God and what, the, what God thinks about the people. God says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That's it, finished. Topic closed. I don't want to do anything more. But Moses... So then God persists. You know, I tell you, God is long-suffering, man. He is really long-suffering. To have personalities like this in the Bible and to, to, to suffer with their, with their lack of understanding and their lack of maturing is just, you know, this is why we need to be the new creation. The new creation is quick. You understand fast. You mature very quickly. In fact, you mature every day. Anyway, verse 17. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. Can you imagine? God is saying, my presence will go with you. And then he's saying, what if your presence doesn't go with me? But when your, if your presence goes, goes with us, Lord, everybody needs to know that your presence is with us. And his God is saying, that also I will do. And then he says this, for you have found grace in my sight and I know you by name. And then Moses drops it right there. He says, please show me your glory. Moses knew that there was something about the glory of God that can change his life. He's not asking God, show your glory to Israel. You see, he's, he's put Israel, 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 these people, these people, you know, who are these people? God, you know, you sent me, you sent me. And God's heart is for Israel. He realizes that and all of a sudden, Moses props up the question and says, show me your glory. Must understand, if, I've, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you so that I may find grace in your sight. It's amazing. Show me your glory. And then God goes on to say this. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim, listen to this. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. So God is saying, okay, you want the glory? Now I'll show you how it's done. The way it's done is I first will proclaim the name of the Lord. So he says, my presence will go you. My face, I will reveal, I will, my face, my face will go with you. My presence will go with you. And when my presence will go with you, I will proclaim, I will reveal the name of the presence to you. Oh, this is powerful. And then God goes on to describe the nature. Please listen to this. He's describing his nature and the nature of the Lord. And then he says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Is this a God that wants to kill people? Doesn't look like it. Unless somebody was so influenced by the law that they saw God like that. But then he says this, verse 20. But he said, you... But you cannot see my face. For no man shall see me and live. This statement has baffled me for years. Up until now. And the Lord said, here, here is a place by me. And you shall stand where? On the rock. And so shall it be while my glory passes by that I will put you into the cleft of the rock. Come on, man. This is, so, this is so prophetic of who we are today. And I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This is such a powerful moment for Moses. It's a moment where God is speaking his word. He's proclaiming the name of the Lord. He's saying, my face will go with you. My presence will go with you. And in that moment, Moses 
should have said, I just want to see your face. But he says, I want to see your glory. And God says, he says, I want to see your glory. God says, you can't see my face. He says, my goodness will pass by. <laughs> the question that I have for you today, ladies and gentlemen, I've taken you on this journey of the man in the mirror. The question I have for you right now, God says to Moses, no man shall see my face and live. The question I have for you right now is, are you a man or are you a new creation? Are you a man? I'm not, I'm not talking about your manhood. Like, are you the man? Like, no, no I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm asking you a question because God is saying, a man cannot see the face of God and live. How does one get saved then? He hears the word. It's by hearing that your, it sets your heart on fire. But see, a lot of people want to see God manifest things and prove to me that God exists. And God doesn't work like that. He doesn't need to prove anything to you. He doesn't need to do a miracle and say, well, you look, well, that's my, that, that's, I'm, I'm, I do exist. God doesn't need to do that. The way God works, Moses asked God to, to reveal himself in a certain way. And God said, no, 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 I, I, I don't do that. I don't reveal myself like that. I reveal myself through the word. I reveal myself through the Lord. I reveal myself when I proclaim his name. That's the channel through which the glory of God is revealed. But the question is, if you are just a man, can you see the face of God and live? And my answer to you is no. You cannot see the face of God and live. You need to become a new creation. And I want you to go now to, to 2 Corinthians. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want to read verse 16 through 18. It says this, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Wow. The veil that was on Moses' face, the veil that hides God, the veil of the law that was on people's face, people's eyes, that, that, that hid them and hid God from them. That's the first thing that God takes away. But when you hear the word of God, when you hear God speak, when He sets your heart on fire, ladies and gentlemen, there's a veil on people's hearts. There are people today who are Christians but don't believe God's word. And the reason why you don't believe God's word is because there's a veil on your heart. But when you start believing God for who He says He is and what He's done and what He's revealing in the scriptures, you begin to see another man in the mirror. You don't see the old man, but you see the new man. You see the man in the mirror is the new creation. He is Jesus Christ, but he's also who you are becoming. The new creation is a species that transforms by beholding and becoming. Verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. 
And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. What, what are you free from? You are free from the law. You are free from sickness, sin, disease. You are free from bondage. You're free from all those things. Why? Is because the spirit lives in you now. You're a new creation. But verse 18 says this, but we all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You know, for us as the new creation, we don't look down on people, but we don't look at them either. Because the one for us, the one you behold is what you become. When you look at your phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that's exactly what you become. You become, you become stagnant, you become static in your revelation of God and you go backwards like Moses. The glory begins to fade away in your life. But the new creation in Christ Jesus has an unveiled face and they're constantly looking at progressive knowledge of God's glory. The new creation in Christ Jesus looks into the face of God and continues to live. Everlasting life is our portion because we look into the one into the face of the immortal one. We behold him, and as we behold him, we become like him. This has been a phenomenal time for us. We've been given an opportunity in our lives to not depend on the things of this world. To not depend. I mean, what a beautiful season for us to live by faith, to live by God's progressive word. Everything that could fail has failed, but his word has never failed. His word will never fail you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is always by your side. I want to pray for you right now. That no matter what your revelation is about your identity, about yourself, about God. I pray that this revelation of the new creation, this revelation in the face of Jesus, the anointed one, would begin to set a fire in your heart right now. As you're sitting there, the Lord is setting your heart on fire. In fact, this whole message, your heart, you don't know why you're so excited all of a sudden. You don't know, man, I can't wait to meet with God. I can't wait to look into His face. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare that you, it is legal for you to look into the face of Jesus because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. It is legal for you to look into the face of God. God is not just revealing His back to you, but He's revealing His face in relationship to you. And He's beckoning you. He's calling you. Every day He's speaking His word to you. And I pray right now, just like Paul says, that the eyes of your heart be enlightened that you may experience the illumination the glory of God that, that illuminates the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus the face of Jesus is not the face on the cross is not the face that has lost his beard and, and, and is beaten and is torn right now. The face of Jesus is magnificent. It's glorious. It's majestic. It's radiant. I'm not saying that we dishonor what Jesus has done on the cross. We honor it. But we also honor what God is giving to us right now. And as we close, I just pray that your life will never be the same again. 
that you would constantly behold Jesus and become like him. I pray that that when you take communion next you would understand that you're eating into the flesh and drinking the blood of the new creation Christ Jesus that you are that God has taken you and hidden you in the cleft of the rock that God has taken you as a branch and grafted you into Jesus that every time Jesus receives a revelation he is set on fire and everyone that is in Christ is set on fire so i bless you it's been a it's been a privilege for for me to bring this word to you the season has been life changing it's been transforming it's an honor for Kelsey and i to serve you we love you and we declare god's abundant life over you in jesus name